0: Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Hannah Harvey. Hannah has personal experience of an eating disorder and her own recovery journey. Hannah joins us today to discuss her hopes and plans for recovery in 2023, hoping to provide you motivation moving forward into the new year. Hello, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. That's so funny. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. <laughs> we've got our little, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've been trying to sort out
1: Echo for about five minutes, so I'm glad that it's not actually Echo. True. is this the first hand you've had on the podcast
0: is this the first hand i've had no i don't think it is i had hannah lewin hannah lewin and hannah lewis and i get them both mixed up but they go by hand i think
1: oh we've got a collection going yeah
0: yeah you are a good person if you change it from hannah to hannah i think i think
1: it's a this is true. That's why I did yeah. it basically. Because I'm not a good person, <laughs> but you know, that was my way in.
0: Now now you feel like you are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also love the fact that today is the fourteenth of November for everybody listening and we are recording our New Year's episode. So if anyone would like to understand how much of an organizer I am <laughs> and how forward I am in these recordings, then that is how. So yeah um I hope you've got your new year's hat on <laughs> <'Cause I
1: haven't. laughs> yeah there's five about to go off yeah, yeah amazing oh
0: that's brilliant um well yeah thank you so much for joining me Han. I'm really excited um to speak to you I know we've been chatting quite a lot and um also yes by the time this is released your blog will have been out um so that's really cool it's not out already is it I'm not lost in the days. no I think it's I think it's next week that um, oh it will be exciting. out. So, yeah. But, yes, if you haven't read the blog, then please do read Hannah's blog, which is all about peer support that we're going to be chatting about today as well. So, let's start where we always seem to start in terms of your eating disorder experience. What has that been for you?
1: So my eating disorder started when I was about 16, so mm-hmm. I feel like I've basically been living in Groundhog Day for the past 12 years, because how boring are eating disorders, right? Um, I always feel a bit like cautious when revealing my diagnosis, because I feel a collective sigh of exasperation as yet another cis white woman with anorexia is talking about their experience. Um, but I hope that I can still add something to someone somewhere. Um, so in these 12 years, um, there's not been a lot of change in terms of like my symptom presentation, um, but uh, they have seen me like transition from my sixth form in Surrey to university in Sheffield, um, to where I now live and work um, in Birmingham um and I've had quite a lot of experience in, in like treatment um especially in NHS services across those three cities Um I've spent most of that time to be honest uh sat on waiting lists um but I've also like had outpatient um, CBT um mostly in in groups um I've also had um like day treatment um and inpatient treatment um I've never really in that time had a period where I have said like yep I'm recovered um but what I would say is I've had some like really dark patches where I felt absolutely paralyzed by it and it's been my every waking minute um and actually I've had times where I've been able to say like yeah I, I'm I'm living my life relatively freely um and I've been able to face things and and face up to challenges um so yeah I've had I've had some some good times but you know it's always kind of been there in the background mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I think that's that's sort of the reality of it, isn't it? I mean, this is literally what I was talking about in therapy just today, in terms of we were like drawing a pie chart of your life and the aspects that you have in your life and you know, how much of that does eating sort of take up, how much do friends and family take up and stuff like that. And when I initially drew it, I did like 75% eating disorder. And then I had like three sections in the in the other and I split that between friends family and then like work slash podcast and I thought you know what that's not true because yes I have those elements I have my friends I have my family I have my work I have my podcast but every single part of that is tainted by the eating disorder and you know when I'm with Mm -hmm. friends or family there's there's worries there's concerns there's there's all of that and so actually the eating disorder is like a hundred percent and then those other bits like slot in kind of yeah wherever is that sort of what your experience has been when you were saying about you know you've been in a better freer place but it's almost always there
1: yeah I would and I would say actually I think that's really brave of you to say because I like I've done that exercise and I found it really difficult to admit how much of my eating disorder takes up my life because I've Mm -hmm. always been like well my family needs to take up like I don't know Mm -hmm. 30 percent and my friends need to take up 30 percent and I find it really difficult to face up to like hey like my relationship with my food and body and exercise take up a good 98 percent of this pie um and yeah i would say that like maybe maybe those parts of me like um that really are meaningful to me like friends and family and work and hobbies they get bigger and the proportion of eating disorder gets smaller but where i'm really aiming for and where i like really think that it's possible to get to is where the eating disorder like isn't in the pie
0: yeah it's really interesting that you say that actually um because when I did it I kept so we did like this is where I'm at now this is where I want to get to and I kept a slither for the eating disorder and the therapist was like why have you kept that and I was like well you know because there's some characteristics from it that I like like I'm you know organized and you know perfectionist and driven and stuff like that and they were like well you can have that without having an eating disorder and that just made me realize that the eating disorder is trying to cling on so badly to be like well i actually give you those qualities but i had those qualities beforehand so it's yeah. it's, it's very interesting
1: definitely it's really confusing isn't it and those mm-hmm. eating disorders some of those thoughts are really bloody sneaky yeah um and it can convince you that you know you you need it you rely on it It could be like like your passport to life like this is your this is why you're allowed to exist in the world because you are these things to everyone um and it's just not true because those people have loved you and like you and, and value you for the characteristics that do not involve weighing out i don't know Bread. I don't know. I've never weighed out bread, but it was the first thing that came into my head. Probably because I just ate some before we were recording. I love bread. <laughs> yeah, I think what's
0: also really interesting that I found when I was thinking about this was, like you just said, there, your eating disorder is not your sole purpose. You are not your eating disorder. That's not the only thing that defines you. Um, and I put a tweet about this the other day, didn't I? That you very kindly responded to about saying you know i am a daughter i am a sister i am a friend i am a podcaster i'm you know all of these different things And He very kindly said a joke of which i don't know where that came from but thank you um and it actually these sort of takes you away from all of those things you can't be those things as much as you would like to be when you have your eating disorder and that i think has been a massive shift in mindset for me that i've found quite powerful
1: yeah yeah it's amazing how it can really like feel like it takes over your identity and i think that's one of the biggest lies that people are faced with in terms of like who am i going to be without my eating disorder like that is who i am and that is what makes up me and it's it's difficult to prize your way out of it because it does take up so much of your pie um but actually all those all those parts of you are are still there it's just working out what feels really authentic um and and you know i think you you never feel enough for the eating disorder but but can you feel like really comfortable in like well I will never feel like I make good enough puns but you know, you, you can feel that enoughness and those really authentic um, qualities and relationships like I absolutely feel like enough to my friends and my family um, and I don't feel like I need to be good enough at, um, at all the things that I love doing like art and stuff like it just doesn't matter um and that's when I know that I'm living my true Hannah Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: So where would you say you are currently with it all? You said that you don't think that you're recovered. Where I I'm, I'm assuming you're in like a sort of shade of grey, which the eating sorta hates but we love.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Embrace the grey, I always yeah. say. Fifty shades of recovered. <laughs> oh my god that is what i'm calling this episode that is amazing i'm writing it down so yeah so i'm i'd say i'm doing pretty well thanks um it's still something that i have to put effort into and i don't know about you but actually i find that question of how you're doing like can be quite difficult to provide an answer for because it's a question that you get a lot Um, and I think there's various reasons for why that's hard that involve like people pleasing and shame associated with having an eating disorder but also maybe not feeling valid in the illness so it's really hard to to say I'm doing badly or I'm doing well Um, and perhaps because I've had like the illness for quite a while um, I think I've become indoctrinated by the concept of thinking of recovery as a journey, where you take steps forwards and backwards mm-hmm. towards the ultimate prize of a recovered life, like it's a game of snakes and ladders or something, <laughs> 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 with like lapses and wins and going up and down. Um, and in my experience, actually, like mainstream treatment. Um, focuses on that very linear model of getting from point A to point B and so all along that way I've always got my sights set on getting to whatever that point B is like for recovery I suppose so all that time I'm always falling short so I can end up berating myself for not being there and then there's also that eating disorder part of me which is glorifying where i was back at point a so you literally can't win and then and then there's times where i've been like felt a bit stuck midway and it becomes a series of comparisons between like recovered where i'm trying to get to and eating disordered and for me i start to obsess like where i am on that scale like where do i fall and especially like in treatment gets so confusing because alongside that you've got this very tangible visible linear scale which is like your weight because that is such a big focus in treatment and it like might slide up and down so if you get like weighed every session and say like my weight's gone in one direction but my thoughts and behaviours have gone in the other direction I find that I lose my voice in being able to articulate how things are. And like, I even get confused myself about what I'm aiming for and even what the reality of my situation is. So I think, I don't wanna just throw away that metaphor um, because I love a metaphor. I'm an absolute sucker for a metaphor. So instead of a, a journey, I would best describe discovery, Um, recovery, maybe we should call it discovery. But I'd, I'd, (laughs) I'd describe recovery as a landscape. Okay, this is very hippie, but bear with, bear with. Oh, I like it. But because it's not somewhere that I'm trying to reach, I'm like, I'm in it because you're living here now. And I think there's a danger in always trying to reach that next thing um and so everyone just like the landscape is a bit different and the way that we interact with it is different but my landscape for a long time has been dominated by the absolute shit storm of an eating disorder <laughs> and so recovery means that i acknowledge that i'm not happy with how my landscape is and i recognize that i want to change it and i know that with the eating disorder I have to put effort in and I have to like set myself goals in order to change that because it's hard. And that could feel a bit weird to people who are not in the know. So people who are lucky enough not to be in the eating disorder world. Um, So the way that I would best describe it, like that need to set goals, um, is to compare it to anyone's relationship with their bedroom. Okay, this is really weird, but bear with hand, bear with. <laughs> so with our bedrooms, we all have different ideas about what makes it a nice place to inhabit. And um, Now, personally, I like my room to be tidy, and I find it quite natural to do a bit of tidying every day. Now, I might do a bit of cleaning at the weekends, a bit of hoovering, get the duster out, but I don't need to set myself like active goals to do that where someone who hates tidying, like, they might find it really hard and they might need to make more of an effort and, like, set themselves tasks and timers and rewards. And what tidy means is different to every individual. So that threshold between messy and tidy. And I think that's why we can't compare recoveries or relationships as food. So, like, I interact with my bedroom with very minimal effort and when the balance tips over I notice it becomes messy and it makes me feel uncomfortable and I'm naturally motivated to make a concerted effort to tidy it but my sister finds that really hard and she may not notice how messy things have become and so she may need a bit of a prompt for someone to like put their head around the door and say hey, like, I can imagine you're not very happy in there with all those smelly mugs and wrappers all over the floor. Do you need some help to sort this out? Sometimes, like, I need someone to point out to me with my eating disorder recovery, like, hey, it seems like things aren't so great for you because, like, maybe I haven't noticed some slipping. Like, I haven't noticed that I'm surrounded by smelly underwear all over my floor. (laughs) and so for me like setting goals plays a really nice role when you realize that your landscape so your your life let's let's step away from this metaphor (laughs) um is not comfortable It's, it's not where you want it to be all that to say is like not that I don't believe in full recovery like I do but I don't think that that has to mean where you literally don't care about the state of your bedroom um you can live happily whatever so for me it might mean that like my tidying is minimal effort and the mess doesn't cause me much anguish and I can be more relaxed about my threshold for what is tidy and sometimes like I can accept that it will be a bit messy and and that's okay and that's where I think like really I think I might be happy if I get to that kind of relationship with exercise and and my body and and with eating mm-hmm. Yeah. so and- so you asked me like what my next steps are and i would say that like i'm currently not very happy with my level of anxiety that i get around like say timings of meals um and i know that i avoid like brunch out um, and that means that I miss out on fabulous pancakes with my friends. So the thing that I'm working on at the moment is like when I'm at home, like seeing if I can have my lunch a bit earlier um, and seeing what my body does with that, like seeing like if I can trust my body's hunger cues and, and how I deal with that um, and just building up that trust in a, in a safe environment. Or the other thing I I hate is, like, not knowing, like, what I'm going to be eating in a certain situation. So I might drop in on my parents and, you know, they might have cooked lunch or tea. And, you know, I I don't know what that is, but I can work on challenging that in, like, a safe environment and joining in with them where, you know, I feel more relaxed than trying to do that, say, at work event where, you know, there's all kinds of dodgy sandwiches and I feel like all eyes are are on me and I don't know people so well.
0: Yeah I I think the the two metaphors that you gave were brilliant and I really liked the idea of that landscape and I think in the same respect of you were saying you know sometimes your bedroom might get a little bit messy sometimes it might be tidy like it's it's not like a you know there's not one way that your bedroom can look. I think that I like that in the landscape as well, in terms of some days are really bright sunshine with gorgeous rainbows, but that's not every day. And some days there will be clouds and it will rain and all of that, but that's life. And I think we do definitely have this perception that recovery is this beautiful garden. I mean, I've said this a thousand times, but this beautiful field, flowers and and rainbows. And yeah, that's lovely. And that will happen sometimes, but it's not going to be every day. Um, And I think you're right in terms of, you can start to feel like you're not doing recovery properly because not every day feels like that. And I maybe maybe this is skepticism or pessimism, I don't know. I don't think that well, I do think there's a fully recovered place, but I think it's that up and down like you've mentioned, and i I don't I when I had my assessment the other day the the assessor said you're not going to get to a place where you look in the mirror and you like click your finger and go oh my god you look amazing i mean you might do some days but like they (laughs) want to get you to a place where you can look in the mirror and be like that's my body and that's my body and that's it um i i think often in recovery we think that recovered means i don't know it's almost Oh, my God, I've just had a revelation in my brain as I was saying that. Is it that the eating disorder is making out that recovered is so brilliant and amazing and beautiful and rainbowy and florally and shiny that it feels impossible to you just stay in the eating disorder? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. See, it's so
1: sneaky. It's so sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes sense to me yeah it hates middle grounds. so why would recovery like like why why would it let your brain accept that it's a possibility because you can't get to it so yeah yeah. it's so sneaky because
0: it's always just out of reach because it's that beautiful but actually what recovered is is that shade of grey and that's totally reachable
1: yeah what a revelation it's reachable yeah definitely but it it's like it's boring that's (laughs) the thing yeah i think when you're early in recovery you want something that's going to be that magical because it's so hard to step out of right like stepping out of any eating disorder behaviors whatever they are is so hard so you need to believe that you're stepping into Disneyland on steroids because that's <laughs> gotta be worth it. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Because it's so difficult. Uh, but to think that you're doing all of that hard work to get to, yeah, I'm okay with what's in the mirror. Eh, yeah. It's fine. Like, why would you do that? So I think, but that is, that is the ultimate prize and almost <laughs> like, that is more amazing so to be able to achieve that um and like have those very mature thoughts and not get this instant gratification payoff like of the flowers and the fields Mm -hmm. like that is incredible and that is so strong and I think because you get such instant gratification from the eating disorder like That's really difficult to pull away from.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you you get... (laughs) You can. On a podcast, can I ask? (laughs) Um, Do you get gratification?
1: Not anymore, no. I remember it. I remember it so well. Yeah. the The early days. Oh my goodness, it was such a buzz. I guess it's like if you have if you have an absolutely i don't know maybe i shouldn't i'm gonna say it's like if you take it back to a cake and like the first like slice of that or bite of that cake might be amazing and then you start to habituate to it Mm -hmm. um but maybe it's like within maybe it's like with disneyland like the first day in disneyland it's Absolutely amazing! You go on the yeah. rides for the first time, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, that's amazing!" But I bet if you rode—I oh, don't know what rides are in Disneyland—but bet if you uh, rode some of those Rocky rides, Mountain, Rocky Space Mountain. Mountain, it's
0: Small World.
1: oh see, I bet if you rode it's a Small World every day for the next year, like it wouldn't have that same no. excitement and magic. No. Whereas um whereas to begin with you get such wins from it and you're always chasing that and chasing it and chasing it and i think i've been very careful not to make that comparison with like drug addiction because i've never experienced drug addiction and i think people are very quick to do that um and i also can't stand the thing of oh, it's easier to recover from, like, drug or alcohol addictions because you don't need them in your life, but you need food. Because I think like that's such an unnecessary comparison. Um, we're all struggling and we're all struggling together. Um, but I think there is that similarity in terms of you do habituate to it, but you're mm-hmm. always chasing that initial high, because you weren't getting it for anything else in your life and at that time you needed it otherwise why would you turn to such a destructive behavior i mean they're all all behaviors i can't think of a single behavior in an eating disorder that is a nourishing like kind behavior to your body so there must be a reason that we were chasing it I guess that's it isn't it like that
0: chasing chasing the dragon or whatever they call it of like you're initially when you do it you get that buzz and then the next time you do it you don't it has to be a bit more or like what I found recently is that like I will have uh, you know a handful of rules that I follow um but then they're not enough so then the eating soda provides another rule and another rule and another rule and then it becomes like a mountain of rules that you're like well it it took me you know what one time to do it and now that's stuck in my life and i can't stop it like it's so quick to happen but to take it back is so difficult to break out of it um but then they just keep on building because like you said you habituate towards it and then you've got that you know ritualistic aspect of it and that feels unbreakable because of the discomfort that they can sort of provide when you do try to break out of it.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's that false relief, a false belief that a little bit more, if I give a little bit more of myself, if I sacrifice a little bit more, I can get something that's that's worthwhile. And I think naturally like a lot of us have like personalities like that in like other areas of life as well. Um I think actually like stepping in the opposite direction going against the current is really really difficult um and that's that's the thing that you've got to do to get out but I think eventually if you take enough steps away like you can almost forget how deep and how important those rules were, and they sort of fade away and then you start to like forget like what what, what was my rule that I had when I was 23 yeah how how many of that thing did i have to do mm-hmm. yeah
0: when you started to i mean i'm assuming that you've broken away from some rules because of what you've just said but how did you even navigate that was it like karate chop off or was it tentatively you know peeling back the layers a bit
1: oh it's Depends. I mean, sometimes within peeling back the layers, it feels like I'm karate chopping off. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I think it's it's always that initial push can be really difficult, and sometimes it just depends what kind of day you're having. I think it can depend whether you go like gently gently whether that's the best approach or you just need to go full force into it I think everyone's different and you just kind of experiment and see what's a good fit for you at that time and anything that gets you going in that direction you know go for it and it may be that your big karate chop um like is one in a series
0: I guess with that in mind, sort of thinking about the new year as well. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, you mentioned that goals had been something that was quite important to you and that you like to set and, and it might be the same answer as what um, the question I just asked. But for you, is it kind of setting big goals, more important or small goals? Because I find in myself that to say to myself, um, I want to recover to be able to be pregnant or things that are so far in the distance for me it's too much to kind of comprehend when I'm in the moment of like you know making lunch or something like, I'm like oh, well I can just skimp on it here because it's not going to affect me in the long term but for me having smaller goals like I don't know, adding a snack in at a certain time each day, which is something that I will have to keep on doing um, and feel smaller, that for me works better. But I'm interested to see if that's the same for you or kind of you've got a mix or whatever.
1: So I think you kind of do need to have both big and small goals at the same time. And I think exactly like... What feels like a big goal at one stage might change. So, like, I remember how impossible it felt at one time um, to eat a slice of toast. And that is mind boggling to me that that was ever hard now. Like, as I say, I was munching away on bread for the podcast. Um, but something I've actually done quite recently is write down all of my sparkly, Life goals. So there are my big goals. Like I want to eat donuts on the beach, and I want to go out for brunch with my friends on my birthday, and I, one day I'd really like to have afternoon tea at the Ritz. Ooh. But I, I want. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Absolutely. But I want those experiences um, to be like in the moment, free of anxiety. Um, Because like right now I could go to a party and I could eat a piece of cake, like that's something that I can do. But the compensation around that, the fear in that moment and the guilt afterwards, is so not what I was ever aiming for. But I can't get those big outcomes, like the meaningful ones with true happiness without doing those little actions. And so, in come my small foodie (laughs) goals. So, (laughs) that's why I've got also this list of my boring goals, which will get me to my sparkly goals. So, that might just be, like you say, a snack that I find hard, and I have to do it at home on my own, and there is no one there to celebrate and no one watching me do it, apart from me my very rude eating disorder (laughs) and those goals can feel materialistic and they can feel small but they are really important and also without the big goals small goals like they they do start to lose meaning i mean i used to question when faced with fear food like how the heck is this one sandwich going to change anything? So, because it's, like I said, like so hard, like, you know, it's so hard to face your fears, why would you leave the comfort of the eating disorder for a, like, for a Tesco meal deal sandwich? I
0: absolutely love a Tesco meal deal, but, you know, whatever whatever, floats your
1: boat. I mean, you know, all right, uh, you know, one of the wraps—they're not great. Are they? No, that's true.
0: No, and to be fair, if it was between Tesco or Boots, I'd be going for Boots every time.
1: Exactly, and and the thing is, like one day the sandwich is gonna be one that, like my grandma's lovingly made for me, or it's it's gonna be a finger sandwich at the Ritz, and you can be fully present in those moments because you've conquered that fear at home. Or maybe maybe there will never be a sparkly sandwich moment in your life, but you'll have a better functioning brain that's less distracted by the thoughts of food and body and destructive urges, and you can be more present and calm in your life. And that is why Han, one boring, Tesco meal deal wrap is yeah. going to change your life, and I never used to understand that. I think
0: what I have realised, and I think I probably said a million times in this podcast as well, is that it's it's not about getting to the Ritz sandwich and tasting the Ritz sandwich. It's about going to the Ritz with whoever you're going with. And the sandwich coming over, and not thinking, how many calories is in the sandwich? How can I get away with not having very much? How can I do this? How can I do that? It's just chatting and being like, oh, look, the food's arrived. How lovely. And nibbling away whilst you're chatting and having pictures taken and not thinking, oh, shit, I need to see that picture really quickly to make sure I look okay. But looking at it later and thinking, what an amazing day I have had. And I think that is, to me, why it maybe it's so difficult for me to think about the food as getting me there because my goals for recovery or how I see recovery is not food orientated but right now the food is affecting mm. everything. Um so I think like you said, you know, that shitty Tesco wrap that actually I'm not a massive fan of, but it's terrifying to do because I've not made it or the amount of calories in it or whatever. That is the sort of, you know, one of a million keys to unlock the connection of the ritz
1: exactly it's gonna change your brain yeah it's brain food and it, it it will it will do and and you know if if i transplanted you to the ritz right now with all of your favorite people or, or me then i just know that my brain is not going to be there um and that's that's why it's going to be worth it it's playing the long game and that, that is hard because the eating disorder is all about the short term yes. it's always about what's going on in that moment and that's why that amazing quote comes in um i always hear it on um on Meg's videos where she's like don't give up what you want the most no don't give up what you want the most for what you want in the moment and I think that absolutely mm. nails it. Yeah.
0: It's almost like that really horrific um phrase in diet culture about lips and hips. But if oh, we twist yeah. it, then you know. I'm trying to think how we can twist it to make it positive towards trickle fruit rather than pink.
1: Um a moment on the lips and your eating disorder unzips your true self oh. is revealed
0: oh my god i love it like
1: stepping out into your new life self unzips oh i love it wow this is very much the ritz isn't it it
0: is very much the ritz yeah um i love that a lot so um where are we that's just really excited me so I felt a bit lost so in terms of goals um we want big and small which I think is you know makes a lot of sense because then you have something for your small goals to add up to so how do you use your peer support group to be able to sort of explore those goals and, and work towards that kind of ritzy sparkly moment
1: oh yeah that's a really good one so actually the goal setting with the peer support group was like such a, a chance encounter mm-hmm. um so it was an idea that didn't come from my recovery um it was when i was writing uh, my phd with my friend in lockdown it was an absolute daily slog um so so she was writing hers as well we weren't writing it together um but every day what we do is we'd whatsapp each other with like a tiny goal to achieve that day and there was absolutely like no pressure to do it or to report back even but just the idea of accountability was so good to keep it in my mind um and make me want to do it and at the time, let me tell you, I really did not want to write my thesis. I hated it nearly as much as I hated eating a meal plan. So that, that tells me how me am. much I hated it. So when I was setting up the support group, I thought, oh, I wonder if at the end of each session, if I just invite people to set themselves like in a recovery-orientated goal, like it can be anything that's meaningful to them, and then they can let us know how they got on like like next month and absolutely no pressure like no one has to set a goal no one has to report back but there's such a community in knowing that others are taking on something that challenges them as much as it challenges you and honestly I think it's one of the best ideas that my little brain has ever come (laughs) up with (laughs) And to hear people willing to challenge themselves and then they surprise themselves with the outcome, honestly, it's one of the most incredible life-affirming experiences. And that is cheesy, but it's so true. So I think done in the right way, goal setting can be super helpful. But, you know, like, of course, many of us associate it, um, especially around New Year, like oh it's so synonymous with weight loss targets like step counts and unrealistic achievements um and yeah who's in the group can find new year like really hard actually i think it's really useful to like reframe what goal setting can be
0: i suppose in that sort of notion i mean i've never been a fan of like new year new me which is why i think i don't really get affected by the new year drastically because i feel like when people go on a diet around new year or pick up a new exercise regime i was like uh, uh, like every year in a couple of weeks it'll be over um but i think that's because i just know that you know people don't stick at things when they make drastic changes most people probably yeah I should, yeah eating sort of is kind of, a bit different really, isn't it but um standard joe well...
1: <laughs> yeah I think I think with that you get so sucked in that your original goal gets so lost and well, you know yeah. you just tumble yeah. down a well <laughs> yeah
0: um but how you know how would you kind of what your, would your advice be to people that are really struggling because ultimately recovery does tend to be the complete opposite to what society tells us to do in terms of weight loss and, and food restriction and, and stuff like, you know, changing any of those behaviours. Um, so, in terms of if people are trying to recover, but they've got a thousand and one people around them telling them that they've picked up this new diet, this new exercise routine, how, like what do you do in that situation to keep yourself motivated and focused on your goals?
1: um to keep myself motivated on my goals or whether there's a couple of ways um i think um i think writing everything down um that you want to achieve and working through them can be quite helpful um you could like categorize them um, and that might be what feels easy and hard kind of like a traffic light system um when I was first in treatment in 2012 it's something that they encouraged me to do and actually like it was quite a fun part of the process or like might not be easy and hard but maybe it's like um from important to less important so you might say prioritize eating like three meals and three snacks a day over having like a particularly fancy Starbucks drink example um and another way that i've seen people do it is write them down cut them up and stick it in a jam jar and pour them out around mm-hmm. them which adds a lovely element of spontaneity uh, which eating disorders often steal from us don't they and um, so i think like adding an element of fun can be helpful um but what I often do more these days is like a look at what's coming up this week and or this month and I'll set a relevant goal. So it might be that I'm going on a breakfast date with my friend in the city and I know that I always order safe options. My goal might be to have something a little bit more out there or it might be just to get the same as whatever she's having. So, you know, I've got no control over over it or some weeks it's just for me to go and not cancel Mm -hmm. um so that for me is is another way that i'm able to stick to my goals so to keep them moving and to just check in with myself and and work out what i need so it's not it's not really about the the goal it's about me and what i'm trying to achieve and what i i feel i'm capable of Mm -hmm. and i think with sticking to your goals it's not it's not uncommon to have moments where recovery feels really uncomfortable you might have like thoughts of running back to your eating disorder um and the idea of going against it can feel really overwhelming um and I have moments where you know I get really really frustrated with myself and you know it feels Really selfish, and it feels like you know. Gosh, there's bigger issues in the world than me. You know, eating a flipping bakewell tart. Um, you know, we're in an environmental crisis. Why are you putting so much energy into this? Um, but these are all kind of distractions, really. Um, you know, you can't give your whole self to, I don't know, whatever's meaningful to you, like saving the planet. If you can't give to yourself. I think in terms of sticking to your goals it's just like being aware of of these thoughts that sneak up on you and really keep in mind what's meaningful to you Mm -hmm. and whatever you envision for your future you know no matter what anyone else is doing with their new year um I'll take a bet that like your future likely doesn't involve being unkind to yourself um including with food and, and the way you speak to yourself um and the way you you treat your body mm. so you might look at what you want to get out of recovery um and they might be you know being present with your friends and wanting to avoid the long-term consequences like impaired bone health and i want lovely beautiful strong care I want to be someone who has enough self-respect that they can treat themselves kindly um i don't think that when i've gotten eating disorder any of my eating disorders like any of my behaviors like align with that vision for myself
0: i think you're so right and i think what you were saying there about almost it's not always about the goal but about how you are as well and you know I think you can always be making progress even if it's small progress so if one day is a really horrible day and you'd set it in your sights to do something massive maybe today's not the day but rather than not doing anything still do something little it's that kind of shade of grey Um, I guess that we're always trying to get to so thank you so much I think this has been amazing and I think everybody will get so many tips from this what I want to do before we finish because we've got like a month and a half until this is going to be released I think we should both set ourselves a goal for when this is released and then when it's released we'll see did we achieve that goal or not I
1: think? love that yeah? I love that yeah okay. that's a great idea
0: okay uh you go first because I haven't put one yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh I love this so so I actually have two big ones for this year. Mm-hmm. Can I have two? Is you, that really too 50. <laughs> well, you don't want me reading out 50 <laughs> on the podcast. Like everyone's going to tune out by the time I get to number five. <laughs> okay. So my first one is that I want to be louder in calling out diet culture because actually I've got the body privilege to do that. So For example, there are loads of weight loss ads at work, like on the walls, in the staff kitchen, so I put up flyers to beat next to them. (laughs) Like, it's easier for me to speak out and challenge those conversations because I live in a straight-sized body, and I need to do that as an ally to those in marginalised bodies. so disappointed by the lack of support for fat people when Taylor Swift released Mm -hmm. that video for anti-hero and fat people told us it was hurtful rather than stand with them a lot of straight-sized people ran to the defense of a music video and like not two weeks later we would. Devastated by the article saying that heroin chic was in. And I did not see any fat creators shooting down straight sized people with a history of eating disorders for finding it offensive. So that for me has solidified the active role that I need to take in calling out diet culture. And my second one is to be really aware of the subtle messaging around New Year. So for me, and I think you alluded to this earlier, it's quite easy to see the big red flags of like weight loss ads and tough though they are, I'm pretty attuned to them so I can ignore them or challenge them. And it's the more subtle things like, so when I'm listening to someone speak and they'll say something like, oh, if you eat donuts for breakfast, you might feel amazing and it might be really fun and then by 11am or after a week of doing it or something you start to feel really sluggish and I'll not along being like yeah yeah absolutely yeah but I've never tried it I don't know really do I know that what if like eating donuts for breakfast like makes me feel at my best every day and it's like Opening my eyes and not just nodding along to everything I hear in the name of wellness. Like, those are my two goals and I think both are really important.
0: Nice. Yeah, I very much like them. Very good goals. I got so encapsulated in you talking that I didn't start thinking for myself. Um, But I... No, I've got one, actually. I... I would like... I will. My goal is by the end of the year to be actively engaging in eating disorder treatment.
1: What does actively mean for you? So
0: I think that's a really good point actually because it's quite vague. actively is okay no I think it needs to be more specific because otherwise you don't know whether you've achieved it because right now I am doing like a group therapy thing um but that's not eating of specific um I... and I think actively engaging to me means when they set me some homework actually doing it um, or like
1: oh yeah that's
0: absolutely yeah you know actually doing like my one last week I've not even thought about and um, so I, I just know no, I'm
1: this active. is not who I thought you were you're a rebel
0: I am perfect I you'd be until it comes to homework. recovery yeah no no I'm uh, <laughs> not that everybody else should be doing this but I guess a bit of realism it's that yeah no I not always it's round the door and uh, I I am a bit of a rebel um, but I would like to be actively wanting to participate rather than turning up every week and
1: saying no nah, didn't do that um, that'd be good. Do you know what that honesty is so refreshing and I think I think that's really important and I think that's one of the things around new year like we wait for new year don't we to be like this convenient reason to change yeah and I think like you can get that fresh feeling of a new year anytime you want yeah like hey new day new afternoon new number of minutes past three on a Wednesday yeah. let's go <laughs> I think people so
0: heavily rely on new year and it just doesn't work it, it's it, right. you, like my mum when I was younger would always be like oh like I no, know she'd start a new diet and then she'd have a chocolate bar on a Wednesday and she's like oh well the week's falling apart now so I have to start next Monday and it's like not that I'm promoting dieting here but with anything like just because you have not aligned with what your overall goal was doesn't mean that you have to wait until something else so like let's say you want to start wearing more clothes in your wardrobe because you only wear like a particular few or you want to start drawing every day do it today do it right now don't wait until new year because then there's so much of that time leading up to it that it's not gonna happen
1: absolutely absolutely you can get that feeling whenever you want yeah Um. you know I think it's all about that commitment to yourself and that's why I hate that phrase new year new me mm-hmm. because you know Is it you that you're changing, or actually are you drawing on aspects of yourself to cultivate things in your life that are really meaningful? You know, you can you can always do things differently, but head towards yourself, not away from yourself. Definitely,
0: definitely. Well, thank you so much, Han. It has been an absolute pleasure and weird to say this, but Happy New Year.
1: Ah, happy new year! (laughs) happy christmas and happy birthday and happy easter
0: well my birthday is actually 20th january so you're not that far away
1: oh <gasps> what when 28th of january no that is my birthday you're lying no i'm not i promise 28th of january 1994 Seven. holy shit that's so weird <laughs> Double H's. Double. Oh my God, Hannah you can both them, um, and Hannah. What's your middle name? Olivia. Alice. Oh. That's quite similar, though. That's very similar. It's a vowel. You know what? I feel like I've I've re- revealed enough information about myself that you know people can still my identity. <laughs> <laughs> what's postcodes? <laughs> What's, insurance What's, your, <laughs> What's your bank details? <laughs> oh
0: wow! That is a that is. I can't wait to go back and um, look at the picture, like get a screenshot of when we just realised we had the same birthday. Because
1: that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's a podcast, but it's so people can't see. But our face, like my yes. jaws dropped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow, wow we best have cake then thanks for having me yeah yeah oh my goodness we are gonna have to have a double cake absolutely sparkly one definitely sparkly girls cake so you've got to eat loads of boring cake until then yeah cake you don't like cake that's not that good all of it yeah absolutely well
0: I'm gonna let you go thank you so much it's been a pleasure if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe eating disorders are crippling illnesses but with the right support they can be recovered from we really hope you enjoyed this episode but if you require more support right now please look into charities such as first steps and beat for support or talk to someone you trust